are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Roger, you look <laughs> full of the joys of life today. It's like a man weighed down. <laughs> Always, John. Lockdown has not been kind to you, Roger. It brings out the best in me, this uh, lockdown 2.0. You mean your jowls? <laughs> Um, plural, Ros- definitely plural, Jeff. Ros, did you bring a drink to uh, get you through the painful hour of talking to us? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I'm on some more Tallboy and Moose tonight. I'm on the DDH Stardust IPA. Wow. Relatively benign, 6%. Benign? Well, you know, <laughs> most, of the, most of the beers that I've been drinking uh, in lockdown start at about 8%. Oh. So 6%, I reckon I could, you know... Is that why um, your face is so much bigger? Smash a few of those these days. Hello, Mr. Barman, I'd like some beer. Oh, here's some benign beer. <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, no, no in terms so of the heavy, some... heavy lifting that you're able to do, it's very tasty. Although I, I do think they do some better um, IPAs there, but it's it's fine. Obviously sounds like a tumour. <laughs> sounds like what? A tumour. A benign tumour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on the there fair feet. Thanks for asking. For that word, Jeff. <laughs> what are you on, Jeff? I'm on the fair feet. Fair Oh, yuck. Nothing yeah. benign about fair feet. Nothing benign about fair feet. It's all action beer. Well, and guess what? I'm on. I'm on. Oh, which which bottle this week, John? Audi wine presented to me by you guys. And oh, the new stuff. Yes. Oh, how is it? Come on, let's have a. I would like a um, informed and poetic description of the flavours here John okay well you're not going to get that but <laughs> <laughs> it's an organic garden gangster Shiraz. No, don't, don't read it well, that's the name of it I want oh. your honest opinion John I want to feel your feelings <laughs> I've already drunk the organic garden gangster cab sav in the week and that was very nice the Shiraz is nicer and it's heavier it's kind of fat and fruity I like it <laughs> But it's not as good as the El Toro matchup. Uh, do you know, the whole way through, I knew that we were going to get to a point where your whole review would basically be like, El Toro is better. It is. <laughs> it's the best. It's the greatest. <laughs> the greatest drink of all time. But thanks, Aldi, again. Um, right, every week we're going to start with a question, as always. But before that, I'm just going to do the admin. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed. Or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, at, check out our website. We've done up our website this week. So just go to footballshed.com and it's a bit shinier. And you can see Roger's pretty face on there as well. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talking nonsense about football. This week's question, unsurprisingly, is about the Champions League. Because we are in the Europe tournament mini tournament <laughs> whatever it is at the moment the post-covid panic stations let's play football tournament <laughs> um when teams lose a first leg in a champions league knockout game what percentage of them go on to actually win the two-legged tie when did you specify home or away in the first leg i did not just all legs only 18%. Rog, what is your uh, percentage? Uh, sorry, I got completely distracted. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. Roger. Turn off the work emails, Rog. Turn them sorry, on. sorry. So, in Champions League, usually you have two legs in a knockout game. <laughs> yes. I'm when with you. The team, when a team loses the first leg, how often does that team go on to win the tie because they go and win the second leg? What percentage of teams go on and do that? And Jeff, you said 20-something. No. You said 18. I said 18. <laughs> Jesus. 27. 24%. So a quarter of the time, basically, in a two-legged tie, if you lose, you're going to still go on and win. That but sounds I, I about just, right. Well, I just thought it's interesting. I don't think it does sound right, really. No, I don't no? think it does sound right either. I think that sounds like a lot. Because if you think about it... like. Well, as in you think that sounds high that teams come back, that 25% yeah. of them? 
And because oh, the reason I want to talk about it is because we're going into a knockout version of the Champions League, like the old school European Cup. Things like Liverpool's comeback against Barcelona would never have happened. Spurs' comeback against Ajax would have never happened. All those kind of results. I think if you if you remove the away goal, the concept of away goals, I think that statistic would be significantly different. Yeah, yes. true. Yeah, it would be. I mean, there, there is a huge debate to be had about whether two-legged ties are any good. Because, yeah. okay, okay, I'll... I'll the, the group stage of the Champions League is often lopsided, right? You often get two teams that are pretty shit in a group, two teams that are pretty good. The teams that are pretty good usually beat the teams that are pretty shit, and then every now and then a Shakhtar does all right. Yeah. And that's been the last 20 years of our lives, right? Yeah. And then we get to the knockout stages, and, and the common perception is, yes, right, now we're getting to the meat, the, the meat on the bone. This is, this is great. But then, you know, those first knockout stages, the amount of times it's 1-0 after two legs or one all through on away goals. And it's because the you know, Mourinho used to say it when he was at Chelsea, that it's essentially two halves of a game of football, yeah. and, which means that you can be pessimistic and pragmatic for a whole game and only really let it go in the second half of the second game. And yeah. I wonder whether there is any spectacle in that. No, I totally agree. And I'm really looking forward to having this knockout phase of the Champions League. And we've had a few games in the... Europa League, which we'll look at in a bit, but it's on one day, anything can happen. And I like the fact that there's that pressure of in the one moment, if you don't get it right today, there's not the, oh, we only lost 1-0 away from home. That's okay. We'll take them back and then we'll get a 1-0 or a 2-0 win and we've gone through. That's fine. And I, I like the fact that it's all about that one game. I think it's way better. I agree with you, John, but the problem... My, my my frustration right now is that we're testing this case, which I think you're right. I think it's super exciting. Apart from we're testing it with a bunch of bloody knackered players. <laughs> so they're, they're exhausted. <laughs> so it's, it's always like we're going to look at it and go, well, that wasn't very exciting. Well, it wasn't excited because it's hot and they're tired. And <laughs> you know, they're, they're mentally fatigued. They're physically fatigued. And we just put them into this boot camp without their families to go off to this stupid tournament. But Although, isn't that the same as every World Cup? Like Everyone's exhausted when they get to the World Cup. They all get put in a boot camp and told... Don't do anything. Don't go have fun. Don't and just play football. So it should be the same as that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to say it's maybe the same, and I'm going to sit on the fence for that. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll have a look through the Champions League games that are coming up. So the quarterfinals start tomorrow morning with Atalanta against PSG, um, and we'll go through the games, and then we'll also have a look at the games that were played at the weekend, the second legs of some of the round 16 that were left to play. And we'll also have a look at the Europa League. Um, let's start with Man City against Lyon, which is the last quarterfinal. Um, Man City beat Real Madrid to get through 2-1. And it was kind of easy. I, I watched it and I just thought Man City kind of strolled this game. Real Madrid did not turn up at all. Zidane just looked like he didn't really care. It was weird. Yeah, I, I think... Um... Look, this is interesting because all Man City did, this was no tactical masterclass. All Man City did was press high. They mm. pressed high and pressed high relentlessly. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, Madrid were on an excellent run before this game. I think they won eight out of eight post-lockdown. Yeah. Uh, the, the difference is Sergio Ramos wasn't playing this game, whereas he was playing yeah. the rest of those eight, which make a big difference in their defence. But essentially, it was just a really basic high press. And I wonder yeah. whether in Spain... Madrid are used to being pushed like that. And I'm not saying that Man City are good because it's real basic tactics, basic, basic, basic. It's not like they set traps and like, isolated players. They didn't. It was just a high press across the park. And I wonder whether Madrid are too used to being shown respect, too used to being, you know, having teams do a Leicester against them or do an Atletico and try and absorb pressure and try and get them on the counter. And I wonder whether they just, you know, you can tell if you're running a high press in the first five minutes of the game whether you're going to get any joy out of it. And you can yeah. see that Man City were... were shaking them up and because of that in the in that five minutes they realized that, well this is going to work let's just go with this yes it's so true I, I do think that Barcelona and Real Madrid don't get pushed that often in La Liga I can't say I'm an La Liga expert and know exactly how all the teams play but generally Real Madrid and Barcelona win pretty much every game and can go on the field going we'll win this game and people will try and just sit back and it's a bit like 
when man people play against Man City in the Premier League, you just go, well, they're going to have the ball for 80% of the time. We'll hope. And then we found out that when you push Man City, something good can often happen out of it. Um, and Man City just did that to Real Madrid and completely overran them. It's, it's exactly right. And that's how Liverpool beat Man City this year. It, it's the... Um... It's the high press, and that makes the back, that makes the defenders look poor. But it's not their fault. But it's a, I do find it a little bit odd in that, you know, this Madrid team and uh, you know current incarnation under Zidane and how they went and won the league and essentially you know won every game since lockdown. It was mainly about defensive solidity first, and then um, you know winning by the odd goal. Like they weren't going out and completely bossing games in the Liga and scoring goals for fun. It was just efficient. They ground it out, basically. Yeah. And Barcelona, this is, I think, a fairly poor Barcelona team this year. Like, in, like they've still got a lot of good players, but in terms of Barcelona standards, yeah. um, perhaps, you know, missing Ramos is, is a big deal for them. I mean, like Varane. And Varane. Oh. I, I really rate Varane. Like, we saw him have an excellent World Cup but he just he had such a mare but I just no one minute one minute one minute one minute before before you go because I'm sure you're going to make another good point but whilst we're talking about Varane right <laughs> I don't think that this is Varane's fault and I know that he okay he came out afterwards and said it was his fault let's <laughs> just let's well, ignore there was two pretty cal- calamitous individual errors that led to okay, right. two Man City goals he, but both of those errors were based uh, on a reaction to an incredibly high press, right? A mm. buzzard-like mm. high press. So if you watch the highlights of this game, okay, let's say that you're a waiter in a restaurant, right? And I'm just going to walk around behind you as you're holding plates, poking you in the ribs, poking you in the ribs, poking you in the ribs all night. Eventually, you're going to drop a plate. Now, if what I do is I film you dropping a plate, you're going to look like a shit waiter. So when you watch the highlights of this game, you look at Brad, and all he's done is just drop two plates. And you're like, why? Why is he even? Why is he even waiting tables? This man can't even hold plates. But what you're not looking at is 90 minutes of them poking him in the ribs, and their high press was essentially putting him under that kind of pressure. That of course he was going to make errors because they're not used to it. So Varane is exposed. And he took it on himself because he made errors. But if you are under that kind of pressure as a defender when you're not used to it, then it's inevitable that those errors are going to happen. What for Real Madrid is unfortunately both led to goals. I, I agree with you to an extent, although the first Manchester City goal came after five minutes. So that's fairly well, early. And it was an early press, Rog. And I think well, that's, that's the whole it, point. But, I just but, said that. If they press it the well, first time no. and they do, then we're going to keep going. But keep you're, going. you're talking about it, you know, being a cumulative thing. And, and, and I agree. You're just seeing the end result is what you're saying in terms of Varane. But I also think you can't move away from the fact that one of the best centre-backs in the world did commit to individual errors with yeah. significant consequences. But I agree I mean, with you. And I think you didn't give Pep too much credit but there was something interesting in that he put um phil foden in the false nine role <laughs> yeah. um which he hasn't <laughs> played funny. before yeah. I just, um, phil foden is just such a i don't even get it sorry roger keep interrupting you today. I'm but sorry. He, like he, i think he was really important in the in he that press great. like his his energy i mean i love the fact that foden was great because he is I'm still not sure what his best position is, but he's a very good footballer and he's a very good, he's a very Guardiola footballer. Mm. Um, I think I they'll, be ha- they'll be happy together. But I I think him and Jesus were the um, were the, the keys to that press. And then the fact that you can take Foden off and bring on Bernardo Silva, who is basically the same player and also yeah. is really good, high energy presser of the ball. I think is great. But I mean, I, what Man City did didn't surprise me. I just was a bit surprised in Madrid because generally Madrid under Zidane, you know, they won three Champions Leagues in a row. They've now, they've won the league. They get things done. I just didn't feel like they turned up for this game. No. That was that was more, I was more surprised at that than how Man City played. Um, okay, so Phil Foden, can I just yeah, ask you a question about Phil your, Foden? Yeah, let me... Yeah, I want to hear your opinion on Phil Foden. Go on. Well, I don't know what my opinion is on Phil Foden, apart from that everyone tells me he's the greatest player of all time. I, th- I think that if, if Phil Foden never played football again, he would go down as the best English player to never get an England cap. And, <laughs> and 
and that is only because it seems well, like there is a there is a tidal wave. Yeah, apart from Mark Noble, he could play in goal for England, couldn't he? Fuck. But it seems like there's a tidal wave of everyone just is called cool to agree that Phil Foden is the greatest player of all time. Even if he plays two games a season, it'll be like, oh yeah, Phil Foden came on. Look at him; he's the best player of all time. Oh, he's the new David Silver. He's basically Pep Guardiola's incarnation on the pitch. Oh, he's got such intelligence. Like actually. We've only seen this kid a couple of times, and uh, uh, it's a slight exaggeration. We've seen him a bit more than a couple of times, and yes, he looks um, mature for his his age. Mm. He recycles play pretty well. Um, he has scored some goals, but I'd argue that there are there are umpteen. I'm going to say umpteen players <laughs> in the Premier League who are just as composed and have played just just as few games and scored just as few goals as Phil Foden but for some reason from every angle you are told that Phil Foden is the greatest player of all time I agree a little bit with you Jeff around we haven't seen enough yet to give him a fair opinion on how is he it's the Frank Lampard case like is he actually any good as a coach or not we haven't really seen him struggle yet and um I think it's the same for Foden. We haven't seen enough to give a full opinion on what he did. And I think that the response that he got from this game just gone was overblown. I thought he was good, but not amazing. He ran around well, which isn't what you really go, oh, really good footballer. He ran around well. Um, But he's really, really fucking good. Like, one day he's going to be so good. There's well, just, Jeff, I, you, I were both, you were both. There's just an two important. More, you have two more people just telling me that Phil Foden's good. No, you just well, join the choir. That's don't what listen I think. to us, Jeff, and don't listen to I, the I'm pundits. Not, don't worry. <laughs> there is, there is something that you're perhaps glossing over here, which is that Pep Guardiola, who is possibly one of the greatest coaches in the history of football, and knows how to recognise, you know, an attacking midfielder when he sees one or a player that can run a game, thinks that Phil Foden is his next David Silva, yeah. who is one of the best players in Premier League history. And so I think you have to take a fair bit from Pep, you know, thinking that. I don't know. I'd, I'd argue that when Pep thinks you're the greatest player in the world, that's because you do exactly what Pep tells you to do. And Phil Foden is probably quite agreeable as a young kid. Well, yeah. but the other Pep acolytes have been generally been able to back it up by being fairly good footballers, you'd say, Jeff. I'm not saying he's a bad footballer. I'm just saying he's probably the same as Jack Rodwell. <laughs> he's definitely better than Jack Let's um, move on. Or yeah, John Joe be... Shelby. Is he better than John <laughs> Joe Shelby? Tell me honestly, is he better than John yes, Joe Shelby? Yes. Shut up, Jeff. Even at that age, John Joe was amazing at that age. He's got two oh, names, John gosh. Joe. <laughs> Um, The last thing I wanted to bring up on Man City was kind of a side point um, to the Champions League. They signed Nathan Ake for £41 million or whatever, which, good, bad, whatever. But um, Chris on Facebook sent us a story about Droylsden FC. Does anyone know about Droylsden FC? Um, Droylsden FC are a Northern Premier League based about a mile from Man City. Um, and this story comes from a long time ago in 1936. Um, but Drawsden FC successfully applied to join the Lancashire Combination and a season later became a nursery club to Manchester City, whose A-team played at their ground and City's surplus players were available to play for Drawsden during this period and they've been a close connection. Drawsden this week went bust and have folded because of COVID, so they can't play in the Northern Premier League um, next season, they have no money. They have to close the ground. They have, no, and I think it came out at the same time as they Man City bought Nathan Ake for forty-one million pounds, and a fraction of that, I presume, a hundred grand would have been enough just to save Drawsden. And and it, so Chris raised it. He saw a few people talking about it on Facebook. Um, as it's just a bit sad, really. When you go, and I know money in football is a bit weird, but Man City have got to remember what their roots are and where they came from, and the people that helped them become the Man City that they are today. And there's players going bust, uh, uh, clubs going bust a mile down the road. And I just thought that's a bit sad. It is a bit sad, and we'll get on to, we'll get on to Arsenal a little bit down the running order. But yeah, there's some, been some bad behaviour, I'd say, that doesn't yeah. represent the fans of these I mean, clubs uh, recently. It, it's crap, but I just don't think can be surprised by it. Like, you know, 
football is now unfortunately a business you know it's it's massive business there's so much money involved it's become you know it's 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 a commodity it's all those things and i think a lot of those um you know sort of links and you know local community links and things like that are gone unfortunately and i just think i don't think that's a good thing i think it's a terrible thing but i think it's just a, a reality of where football is and i almost feel like you know you could almost find a story like that in in, any, in every town in every town i just i mean i think i think something should be done about it but it's not a you know you're talking about systemic change yeah. which i think the premier league have no interest in doing because and whilst they're still making lots of money Let's go from Drosden FC to Juventus. I never said thought that sentence would ever be said. But um, <laughs> Juventus were dumped out by Lyon. So Man City play Lyon in the next round. Juve lost to Lyon and then went and sacked Sarri and hired Andrea Perlo, who's been manager of their youth team for 10 days. Is oh, it a genius God. move or is it just weird? Oh, God. <laughs> I've, written, I've written in red letters, weird. Yeah. It's, I just, uh, I love I mean, Pirlo, but it's weird. He must have had a pretty good ten days as a youth team coach, mustn't he? <laughs> must have been revolutionary. <laughs> I've never known anyone to get a promotion like that. Why didn't Juventus just sign Pochettino? Like you have Pochettino out there, who's one of the best managers around, who doesn't have a job. They hire a guy who's got no experience, who in his autobiography comes out and goes, "Training's crap, warm-ups are crap. I'd rather just drink wine and turn up and play." Like. He's not a motivator. It seems a real odd decision. I worry for him. I worry that this will tarnish his reputation. Uh, I, th- I think it's it's such a big ticket so early on. You know, it's, it's the we've spoken about it with Frank Lampard all season. Uh, I think that Pirlo has so much credit in the bank, but this is the quickest way to empty your cup is to do this. And do you know what'd uh, be really good though is if it means Juventus don't win the league next year, which will make it ten in a row, just because. They need some change in Italy. Someone else needs to win yeah. the league. So it could be good in a roundabout way. I mean, Zidane's, Zidane's done it um, with little to no managerial experience. You know, he's another ex-Juventus legend, but it is it is a rarity. Like, we've seen so many good players or great players then be fairly average managers. And it's a risk. It's not... It's not necessarily unusual for Juventus to to sort of take a bit of a risk with their managerial appointments as much as anything they can because they still win the league every year. But yeah. I think one thing you can't underplay with Juventus is there is that pressure of winning the league every year. And so it's not just about winning the league. It's like, it's the story. And yeah, you've got to win the you know, well, sorry, won the league. Winning the, the league in the way you want to do it, yeah, and challenging for the Champions League, I think, becomes you know the the yardstick that you measured against. And I think the Perlo, the story aspect of Perlo, you know, the fact that he was a is a successful Juventus player, he's also been obviously he's a legend in um, you know Milan and, and Inter as well, and and for Italy, um, I think helps. That sort of you know feeds into the to the narrative that Juventus are looking at. So it's almost it's not just about his coaching ability. There's more to it than that. But I, I th- he kind of my a completely uneducated view would be he's the kind of player that you could imagine would be a really good manager. But that's <laughs> that's just, that's just based on the fact that he's a really really good foot effortlessly good footballer. Yeah. yeah, but there's nothing in that, you know. Like it's that's actually crap. Like he could be a terrible coach. Let's um so Man City Leon is the last game. We've because they're knockouts, we've all got to do predictions. So I'm gonna say Man City three one. Jeff? Well, Leon are are a very average French side. The fact that they got past Juventus is, is quite shocking, really. What where did they finish in league was it seventh, oh, eighth? Seventh or eight, yeah. Um and they will really struggle in that game. So they'll lose by a lot. Man City are cruise, I'd say. Yeah. Mm. So next game we'll look at is a Bayern-Barca game, which is probably the best oh, game tasty. of the round. The only two, team, two, tourna- two teams left in the tournament that have actually won the tournament before. 
Um, Chelsea was smashed by Bayern, uh, swatted aside 4-1. Um, and Lewandowski, yeah. John, scored a penalty again. Still average. Don't rate him. Um, Chelsea have got some real... <laughs> two goals, two assists in that game, I think. <laughs> Can I just say, Chelsea have got some real problems. When you watch that game, I don't mean up front, they have just mm. such an amazing array of incredibly talented, young, exciting players over the halfway line. But as soon as you get to the back, they have yep. some real problems. And they're, and you're constantly being linked with and signing these exciting young attackers who play left, right, centre. They can play number 10. They can play up front. Phenomenal. Yeah, great. But, man, they've got some problems at the back that they're just not addressing. And it was, they were exposed in this game. The footage never... from the third goal is amazing because... I forget the Bayern player, but he holds the ball up and you're like, you know, you sort of like pass it, you know, play the through ball to the man and he's free, but he waits and waits and waits and he waits like an absolute age. And then finally you see the Chelsea left back come into the shot, but you're just kind of like, where has he been? (laughs) Like it was literally like in slow motion. It took him so long to get back. I just thought that was so damning. It was kind of like Bayern walked it in. Pat, um, Pat Nevin was on the radio this week and he's an ex-Chelsea player and he talks highly of Frank Lampard and loves Chelsea a lot. He said their defence is no better than a mid-table Premier League defence. It's well, you... an average kind of, I don't know, a West Ham defence or whatever. It's OK, but it's not good enough. I completely agree. They are luck- they are they have a lineup of a team that was lucky to scrape top four and should be very proud of that. which is essentially what's happened to them this season. But the difference between a team that's lucky to scrape top four and a team that's challenging for titles is vast. Bayern are, well, second favourites behind Man City, the kind of equal favourites, I think. Do you think Bayern are going to go on and win it? I think they they look really bloody good. They've won 25 of their last 27 games. But they play crap teams. They do play crap teams, but that's pretty good. I they're you know they're efficient. Uh, they've you know they've got pace 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 out wide. Uh, they've got a striker who scores lots of goals, and they're solid at the back. I I think they're favourites. I, I you can't write off any team that has Messi in it. Yeah, ever because and Messi basically Messi won the game for Barcelona against Napoli the other day, and just did a couple of yeah. moments of magic. And apart from that, he can't run or move, and Suarez can't really run or move but they can bring you a bit of magic. Um, so, and yeah. we've seen Messi do it for Argentina, where essentially he he it's Messi or bust. So it's not like it's an unusual scenario for him. So I, I wouldn't write them off, but I just think, like it sounds crazy saying about Barca, but I think Bayern are way too good in this game. Yeah, I actually think Bayern are going to smash them. I'm going to say 3-0 Bayern. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, yeah, I th- <laughs> I don't know. I think Bayern are going to win. I don't think this is a very good Barcelona side. Um, did you see that penalty in the Barcelona game? Uh, was it Suarez? Yeah, where he just put put his leg in just before... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, is it Koulibaly? Yeah. Koulibaly was yeah. just about to, about to clear it, so he just put his leg in. Koulibaly didn't look down, didn't do anything, pulled his leg back, was about to take a big swing, and then Suarez just tucked his little toe in front of the swinging foot and got a penalty. I just thought that was disgusting. Or smart play by forward. Mm, I, I think in football it's disgusting. <laughs> I, I, get, I think you're right, John. Smart play because he's going, oh, he's already swung his leg. All I've got to do is get my leg in the way. But there is that just doesn't seem right that that is punished. It just, no, it's just not, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not a fair penalty. But it's, it's kind of really hard because I felt like it doesn't sit well, but at the same time, I watched it a few times. I'm like, it's probably a penalty. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's, like, a penalty, it's, it's, it's gross, but it's a penalty. But it shouldn't. <laughs> it just shouldn't be. It's just, it's just so disgusting. You could just, you could just. I guess Suarez has in his life, hasn't he? You could, you could frame your game on that by just running round after defenders, waiting for them to swing their leg, and just trying to throw yourself in the way of the already swinging leg and saying he kicked me, because essentially yeah. that's what he did. And I just thought it was sick. You know, it's a bit gross. Um, Rog, who do you think is going to win, Bayern or Barca? A Bayern. I've said that. Um, Next game, Atalanta v PSG. That's tomorrow morning before, well, we played before this comes out. So there's no point really talking about it much other than 
I really want PSG to lose, and I really like watching Atalanta. Oh, I want to talk about this game. Can we talk about it a little bit? I know it's Go going to be old history, but there's well, there's a story to this, John. Oh, so it's oh. not just about the game. Well, it's tell us, Grandpa you know, Rog. Well, they're polar opposites, you know. Like Atalanta are continuing to punch above their weight in Italy. Um, you know, they're they're about the twelfth best resource team in Italy. Um, you know, they're from Bergamo, which is a city of less than one hundred and fifty thousand people. It's yeah. a very it's it's not a Neymar big city. gets paid more than the whole of their squad. There you go. Like it's, <laughs> and I just. I think Atalanta are going to win this game. Um, I really and I, hope so. I hope they... I would absolutely love it if they could go on and win the Champions League for two reasons. One is just because they play great football. They scored 98 goals this year, had a goal difference of plus 50 in Italy. Everyone expect They had a great season last year and everyone expected them to drop off. They didn't. They finished third and in the end, only a few points off Juve um, and have still made it this far in the in the Champions League. They play great football. Their press is going to cause PSG all sorts of problems because PSG play monkey league, similar to what you guys said, you know, with the aura around Madrid and um, Barcelona. Yeah, PSG have that too. But I think for me, it's also in the current world climate, Bergamo... Bergamo was yeah. ground zero in Italy in terms of COVID. So, you know, we're talking about three, over 3% of the population of this town died yeah. from coronavirus. You know, it's a, it, it, it was really pretty awful. Um, and the, the region in general, the Lombardy region in Italy um, got hit really, really hard. So I just think, there's an element here of, you know, wanting them to do well because they play good football, but also just, the, you know, the, the background to it. And to me, PSG are the complete, you know, opposite of that because they represent everything that's wrong in the world and wrong with football. And I just want to see them get tonked. Usually when the three of us agree on something, it doesn't happen. That's very true. So I, I also really want Atalanta to win this game. And this is just the kind of game that PSG usually throw away like a wet sparrow. And yeah. this probably we're going to, by the time anyone listens to this, PSG would have been 4-0 up. And Name a hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got Mbappe. Is Mbappe going to play? They think he's going to start on the bench. Like He's, he's really good now if this he plays. Is the thing. But... This is the thing. Mbappe... People tell you he's good, and then you see him, and you're like, "Oh yeah, he is really good, this bloke." But Phil Foden, meh. <laughs> um, like the last game is Leipzig against Atletico. One is not going to be the most exciting game out of the bunch. It's probably going to be the most boring out of the bunch. Um, Leipzig aren't the most favourable club in Germany. They're kind of the fake money, and they kind of are built in a slightly different way. And Atletico play horrible football. So, I don't really God, care. John, you're just selling this. But selling if, this if you were going to pick one team that might beat Bayern, I'd probably Atletico. pick Atletico. Yeah, true. No, very true. I think Atletico will go through just because of experience in the Champions League and Leipzig's best player, Timo Werner, is sat in the stands watching Chelsea lose to Bayern. Um, hmm. He could have gone to Bayern, by the way, which he's probably wondering why he didn't. But do you find that odd that I thought it was really weird when Man City got rid of um, Sane? Yeah. You know, when they could have used him in the Champions League. And I find it equally as odd that Leipzig have got rid of Timo Werner, who is critical to, you know, he's their star player. Like, keep him for the Champions League campaign, surely. I mean, I'm assuming that there's a financial... It's just a contractual thing, ...aspect to this. But it just, to me, seems a bit... It's things like this that make me fall out of love with football a bit because surely it shouldn't be about money. It should more be about, you know, passion and wanting to, to win things and, you know, wanting to go out on a good note. He could, Leipzig could win the Champions League. What a great way to finish. He's been um, at Leipzig for a long time. But right now, Rod, he can earn 200 grand a week sitting about doing sweet. It just, it just makes me want to vomit. Can I, can I give you a one to watch? And I, I, like, I don't yeah. even think, obviously... You know, I'm not going to do a Roger go one to watch. Have you heard of Messi? He's really good. <laughs> but but you what, know this... why is that a watch? <laughs> you, you remember when you were like, well, who was your one to watch? Was it Mbappe or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you remember? 
I'm Hazard. Sure was, yeah. Mm, <laughs> I, no, I think a bit of fake news happening oh, yeah, here, um, anyway. Uh, Vin- Viniscus Jr., that was your one to watch. Oh, that's right, yeah. After you saw him play for Real Madrid in the first team. Good one, bro. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, this bloke that Man City have signed, Torres. Yeah. Uh, they they got him for a snip. 24 like, million or something. Uh, 24 million. This guy is worth four times that much money. He yeah, is okay. exceptional. It was a buyout clause. They let Sane go knowing that this bloke was on the way. And I'm not they, sure about him. Uh, oh, great. This will, I'll enjoy this in the long run. Um, <laughs> but I genuinely think that this guy is extreme quality. And if it wasn't for his buyout clause, he would have been a big money signing for someone. I, I just just you wait, just you watch. He plays right, left, centre, as we've been talking before. Uh, can play middle of the park, centre forward. This kid is the nuts. Just you wait. What's his um, name? Let's move on Torres. to Torres. Torres. Fernando. Let's move on to Europa League. Um, Man United scraped through against Copenhagen 1-0 with a dodgy penalty that was scored by Bruno Fernandes. They boring, play... boring United. He didn't Ooh. skip though, John. What's that? Didn't he? Fernandes didn't skip. No, I think it's because it was in extra time and he's worn out, so he didn't have any... Uh, any <laughs> um, having watched the Man United-Copenhagen game, it was awful. Um, they, it was really hot. Like we were saying earlier, they were all really tired. End of the season, it's 35 degrees. It was a crap game of football. Man United have scraped through. Um, and now they'll play Sevilla in the next round, who beat Wolves 1-0 this morning. Wolves actually, they looked exhausted as well, but they had a penalty and they could have actually got something out of that game. And I actually felt a little bit sorry for them after Traore's amazing run for the penalty. It looked so good. And... Um, that was early they, in the game too, wasn't it? Yeah, you could tell they had a plan, was get a goal and then hold on. And they did everything right. They got their opportunity, they got the penalty, and then the crappiest striker in the league, Raul Jimenez... <laughs> missed his first penalty for Wolves. Steps up and takes the worst penalty ever in their biggest game in 100 years. Can I just recognise that Sevilla Sevilla side... Is essentially the same side that they played 16 years ago. Yes. Jesus Never still played, 45 Ever, years old. Ever Benega. Ever yeah, Benega's exactly. still there. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that? He was so, really good too. He was playing Seville when the Matrix came out. Ever Benega was like linked with Everton to take over from Graveson. Yeah, <laughs> like, like back when Moyes took over. Like, what is this bloke still doing playing for Sevilla? Sevilla. No, but I think uh, both those games were a bit underwhelming. Um, but it does make for a good semi-final, I think, Sevilla Man United. That's on Monday morning, Australia time. Mm. I think whoever wins that wins the tournament. I don't know who's going to win it, but I think they're the two favourites. Well, I can see you getting coming unstuck against the Man United rejects of Inter Milan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's I think Sevilla are going to win that game, John. And I'm not I was just going to say that. predictions on this one. So you not think Sevilla? Say, yeah, not just saying that because you're here and I, I like to predict their downfall. But I think uh, the current climate, and I don't mean like political climate or health climate, the literal climate really suits hot. Spanish teams more <laughs> than it suits northeast English teams. Yeah. Uh, northwest English teams, sorry. So I, I, just, I just don't think that United have got enough in there tank especially after going to extra time in that game I actually just I, I, I agree I don't see Man United getting past Sevilla I think uh, the players they have in the team don't really have European experience and I think the front three are great but exhausted um, and I think we're going to struggle to get through that one oh, you changed a few players against Copenhagen no? you, rest, like, you rested a few mm-hmm. um, I think with a view to beating Copenhagen um, I think you'll win because you've got more quality. You've got that. You've got more star quality than Sevilla. Greenwood, the next Phil Foden. <laughs> Greenwood's better than Phil Foden. Well, that's what um, I mean. He is. He probably is. The other semi-finals between Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, Inter Milan, as Rod said, is full of uh, Premier League all stars and ex Man United players: Lukaku, Ashley Young, Christian Eriksen, Sanchez. It's also homely and wonderful, isn't it? It's, it's, they want to sign Chris Smalling too. Yeah, they do, yeah. It's like a like a preseason dream team. Moses, he's there as well. Is Victor Moses there? 
great. He yeah, was, wasn't really. he? Yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Lukaku scored more goals. He's got nine games in a row in the Europa League, which is a which is a record. You know who took that record off? No. Alan Shearer. Oh wow! How amazing is that? Yeah. Um. um Shaka Donetsk got through against Basel. The only reason I wanted to bring this game up was because the goal scorer for Basel, Van Wolfswinkel. Do you remember oh, Van Wolfswinkel? Norwich. Right Norwich. Yeah. And Ricky. Is it this, in this game there was another goal scorer called Dodo? Oh, maybe. I'm Dodo? Like, yeah, he's Brazilian. <laughs> well, like, of, course, of course he is. Why, like, the, the, why the, do they choose they like? get Dodo. so many Brazilians playing for them? I just find it bizarre. Like, as a Brazilian, why on earth would you want to head to Nesk? Um, the money. They've always they've had a history. No, but they've had. A, but why Brazilians? They have had a history. Yeah, of Hulk having, played there. Willian played there. Willian played there. Like they've had heaps. It's, um, you probably assume it's some kind of visa restriction. They're, they're okay to go play there, which gives them EU games, which whatever. There would be some loophole that makes it possible. But I just want to go back to the name Dodo because I I sorry <laughs> I bang on about. <laughs> Like Brazilians choosing names like Alan and Dave and Cliff and you know Fred. Fred, that's a real one. Joe, Dodo. <laughs> Dodo's a bit more. Dodo. Dodo's like a animal. So well, exactly. What, are we going to have Woolly Mammoth? <laughs> Woolly Mammoth up front in the next World Cup. I hope so. Um, let's move off Europe to other news. Um, the first thing in other news we've got on the list is Arsenal letting fifty-five staff go. Um, which Jeff shaking his head. It's not the greatest looking thing in the world where they've suddenly, they've asked players to take a pay cut to save money, which in the theory is to save jobs. Um, they pay, James on Facebook posted about how the fact that Ozil is paid 500,000 Australian dollars a week and then they still get rid of 55 staff. They're going to get signed Willian, probably. It's very close to done. It's going to pay 120 grand a week, just sign not one player and they can keep those 55 staff. Have Arsenal fucked up here? Definitely. They absolutely have. This is an own goal, for lack of a better better turn of phrase. Um, the, the thing that really gets me is that clubs really... And, and Arsenal, look, Arsenal are good in the community. Arsenal have a really good network of... of um, uh, community projects that put money back into local schools and charities and disabilities. And that's something that Arsenal fans are incredibly proud of. And there is an Arsenal way, which, you know, you, people always say that, but you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a Man City fan and you see the city and the community stuff, you know that a marketing department has put some of that together and it's been rammed down your throat to make you feel better about the t- fact mm. that you're taking oil money. Like that, that's something that you, you know, that you're being placated to a degree. But from Arsenal's perspective, Arsenal have always been good in the community. They, they've always had a real standing in that part of London to the point where they've done things the right way. And I think, you know, I'm going to... At season ticket renewal time, they'll release videos about how great they are in the community and how you, you're investing in Arsenal and you pay more for your shirt and you pay more for your ticket because that money is going back to the community you love. And actually looking at such a cold-hearted business decision off the, the back of the spin about putting money back into the community, I get it. You do some good stuff. But the community is also those 55 people who just got the sack. And this is a business decision. I also get that. The, the, I work mm. in a business and I am part of you know the thought process of making decisions like that. None of them are comfortable. But they're, Arsenal are not going bankrupt Arsenal are not looking at their cash flow going if we don't save some of this cash flow in the next few months we will go under as a business they're not looking at life and death decisions as you say John they're signing players for umpteen million pounds and also if you've got Ozil Ozil genuinely doesn't do anything you're paying this guy he gets paid 350,000 pounds a week he doesn't do anything he trains with the kids make him redundant make him make him number 56 Exactly. Just you make know what I mean? that one guy redundant and you save 55 And points. you're allowed, they've all got employment contracts that so you're allowed to make anyone you like redundant. Yeah, you might, you have to pay them out, but you have to pay out anyone you make redundant. I just I just think that 
I, th- I read a report that to keep all of those people employed for the next, I can't remember the, the duration. I'm sorry, I should have written it in, in notes. Didn't make any notes today. I should have written notes. Um, <laughs> so, something like two million pounds would have kept everyone employed until the end, the foreseeable. So the end of this crisis back to the next season's uh, yeah. income coming in. And actually, if you are the owner and you're concerned about your season tickets and your shirt sales and engaging your community, keeping people employed and not kicking such an incredible own goal, you, you, someone needed to give you a good shake when you're making that choice because it's against the way of that club. And does anyone remember the fact that Arsenal won the FA Cup two weeks ago? No one gives a shit no. anymore. It's, they've just completely destroyed anything good that's happened they won a trophy. Well done, Arteta. You've got them into Europe. Gone. No one cares. And, and the players themselves are feeling miffed because they just they just took a pay cut. They mm. literally took a pay cut to save people's jobs. And they've got to the end of the season and the jobs have been cut anyway. And actually, Ozil, for all of the yeah. things we hate about Ozil, Ozil didn't take a pay cut. Everyone thought he was a complete chapstick for it. And But he said, because I don't know where you're going to spend this money. I don't yeah. know what you're going to do with it. But the other players said, no, we believe in Arsenal, believe in the football club, we bought into it. And then they finish the season, these guys get the sack anyway. It's terrible. And it, the thing is, when Liverpool furloughed players, there was such outrage in the community that they brought them all back. It's not players, but the staff, you know, yeah. at the beginning of the coronavirus. There was such outrage that they brought them back. And they, they put out a statement that said, we're really sorry, we, mis- we misjudged the feeling in the community and actually you're, you're right even though it was available to us we shouldn't have chosen it because of what football means in the community and Arsenal happy that might happen again I guess I mean I think would, it's unlikely but they've already they've already they've already done this 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 isn't reversible they Stan Stan the man Cronky he looks like a villain to be fair <laughs> he does <laughs> um, Rog talking of villains let's talk to you for a moment um, League 1 and League 2 have voted for salary caps Yes. So this is the first time ever in the UK leagues that we've had salary caps. What does this actually mean? Well, yeah, I mean, and there's bit, so there's a background to this, obviously. You know, we've seen what's happened with Berry. You know, we've seen what's happened with Wigan. We're seeing Sheffield Wednesday. There's, you know, the, the, we've seen it for a few seasons now mm. um, of teams struggling and and whether you know some of these owners coming in is actually in the best interest of the clubs so this is something that's been proposed by um the the EFL um and then the clubs have all voted for it i mean so to give you an idea i think in league 2 22 of the clubs voted in favor of the cap which has been set at one and a half million in League One and two and a uh, sorry one and a half million in League One and two and a half million one and a half million in League Two <laughs> two and a half million in League One. I'll get my words out eventually. Um, but yeah, twenty-two to two clubs voted in favour of that in League Two, which is fairly significant. Mm. And then in League One, sixteen of the clubs. So a bit as you're going up the pyramid, a bit you know it becomes a bit tighter. That we should note that the PFA have appealed this. Um, yes. Yeah, I saw this. So there's there's still a bit to run, but certainly... why would the why would the PFA want to appeal it? Can you talk me through that? Well, be, because I guess they see it as not being good for their members, in that um, they feel that they're you know there shouldn't be a salary cap because their players can get paid more. The PFA's theory is that they sh- it should have been done on a percentage. So yeah, like, the, a, like a turnover or whatever, you, you, can, yeah. you can spend 50% of your turnover on wages rather than it's a cap across the board. Rather than the flat cap, yeah. Yeah, because if I've got 40,000 coming every week to Sunderland every match day, not at the moment, I earn a lot more money than older shot who get 5,000. And so why can't I spend the money that I'm earning because I have a bigger fan base which makes me a bigger club, so I can go up the leagues. No, sorry, PFA, I don't like that either. That keeps the big, big, and the small, small. I don't like that. But it, but, it, that- but I think where the, this, I mean, we could talk for hours on this because to me, the really big thing with this is that clubs from League One have been struggling to get up to the championship and stay up in the championship in recent years. You know that that gap is becoming bigger. Um, and we know about the gap between the Championship and the Premier League. So the next thing is that the um, EFL are going to put this to the Championship. 
the championship do you want to cap now to me that is huge because i um the premier league's never going to have a cap no. and so if you have the you know the the feeder league to the to the premier league the little league below um having a cap then that gap is only going to grow i just think the, you know the implications of of a salary cap coming in yes it's significant in league one and two if this comes in and i think that jumps to the championship and you know what happens there but imagine if it comes in in the championship yeah. like, i and just i just in- think you're restructuring the game like this is kind of this has gone under the radar there's hardly been any news on this but i thought this was really significant because it's such a change to the to the way yeah. the game's run Right. Yeah, and if you put it in the championship and then someone gets relegated and gets parachute payments, how do those parachute payments work from the Premier League? And it becomes a real mess. And um, yeah, I I I agree. I think it's kind of a bigger news story than has been given credit to because I think it's... I, I, I see the logic and I see that they need to do something, but I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do or whether... No, this- I, but I almost think it, we could have a whole um, pod talking about it to be honest but i just i just thought it was something interesting to that that happened yeah yeah um on that quickly on league two macclesfield town appealed their two-point deduction or four-point deduction for not paying wages and they didn't get that appeal so they've been relegated and stevenish don't go out of the football league and stay in which is um good for stevenish bad for macclesfield i guess a um, couple of other things on transfers. Ryan Fraser, this was brought up by Chris on Facebook. Um, he turned down a contract at Bournemouth for $67,000 a week because he thought he was going to get paid hundred grand a week at Arsenal. Now he's struggling to get any offers for fifty grand a week at Crystal Palace. It makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Ryan. See Off you, Ryan. Go. Ryan. <laughs> I, hope, I really hope he doesn't get a contract any kind of Premier League club. I hope it just disappears and fades out. It's it's the um, Peter Odom wingy all over again, yes. isn't it? It's yeah. like when they're, when they're so disgustingly full of themselves that they, you know, what was that Odom wingy? drove to QPR's ground and sat outside it. Waited. Waiting for his contract on transfer deadline day. And after that, you, no one will buy the bloke because yeah. that's just yuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Brian, you're off yeah. Um, does anyone have any side stories? Uh, yes. Roger's thinking about it. Maybe has he got one? No, I'll go okay. first then. If you if you're not ready, Rog. Um, have you seen the Celtic and Aberdeen? The game's been suspended for today. Yes. Yes. And that the was... weekend. Sorry. Why? Why was it? Well, because um, uh, Celtic defender Bolingoli. Um, that's his name, yeah. I was, thanks, Roger. I was really going to struggle <laughs> through that one. Bolingoli uh, flew to Spain and then came back and didn't quarantine. Oh. So, and then played a game. Played a game. So the um, the Scottish prime, not Scottish prime minister. What do you call her? The head of head of Scotland, Scottish yeah. lady, first the, minister, the yes. fish lady, the sturgeon. Yeah, the sturgeon, the, the fish one. Um, she, <laughs> she, she, she came out and said, "Well, you guys, you're not you're not playing. Neither of you are playing, and you're not playing next week." And con- she even said, "Consider this a yellow card," which I thought was a very, very politician <laughs> type of type of comments. But that has been taken incredibly seriously. It makes you think, you know, or at least made me think. We're in Victoria, in Melbourne. So if you're listening in other parts of the world, you might know that this is like the epicentre of lockdown central right now, which is why we're on Zoom and why the sound quality is what it is and whatever. And people are sick of it. And mm. it doesn't mean you're not going to follow the rules. People are following the rules. They're absolutely following yeah. The more conversations you have, the more you know that people are a bit just sick of it. And if you find that there are a bunch of people who are sick of it, who also feel a bit entitled and that the rules don't apply to them, you'll get more and more breaches like this. And I wonder if the Premier League starts... Oh, I'll bring this back to the Premier League. Obviously, that's what we talk about on this podcast. But if you bring if the Premier League starts again next year under the same levels of restrictions that we had in the last eight games as last year, I wonder how many rounds into the Premier League we're going to get before a few players of the ilk of, you know... James Madison and Jack Grealish and <laughs> those, those types who are just going to break the rules. Yeah, 
just a little bit sick of it. And all it takes is one player to be a bit sick of it and just do what they want once. And yeah. they're, shut, they're shutting down fixtures. And, I mean, in, the, in Scotland, it's in the context there were eight Aberdeen players that were also sort of busted out drinking and carrying on, which is, you know, against the protocol as well. So there's, uh, but it's, I, I um, Neil Lennon's, I wouldn't want to argue with Neil Lennon personally, oh, yeah. and I wouldn't, wouldn't want to get on his bad side, but he's come out very strongly against um, Bolongoli and, and essentially said that, you know, this is completely premeditated. This wasn't an innocent mistake. He's knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't tell and didn't tell the club he's booked a flight. He's gone done it. And then he's come back and he hasn't told anybody. Um, and so I don't know if he's going to be appearing for Celtic again, ever again, anytime soon. He might not yeah. be appearing ever again. <laughs> Neil Lennon gets hold of him. Yeah, um, so, so it just it, it just makes me realise that well, this is all a bit fragile. That's yeah. my, yeah. my bottom line. It's very fragile. And like you see New Zealand today or whatever, and they got a couple of cases like, where did they come from? Like, it mm. easily happens. Um, Raj, do you have a side story? Yeah, I want to say it's like a light-hearted story, but it's also, it's pretty grim. And it's... <laughs> well, I, it's I think that's it's um, what your stories go like Roger, isn't it? It's like yeah, maybe, stories. but it's um, you know, even the virtual world can be tainted by shit humans. So I don't know if you saw the um, fantasy Premier League winner has been oh, yeah, he got disqualified. Fired. Yeah. Um, so Alexander Anatov. Um, so he apparently made remarks about a footballer that is believed to be Raheem Sterling. Like, I don't know how how much you want to read into that. I mean, it always seems to be Sterling, but there's no, there's nothing specific, but in his defense, he's kind of insinuated that he was racist, but his, his, you know, response was, uh, we're we're Bulgarians and we were talking in Bulgarian and, you know, things are different there. Let's call it the Luis Suarez defense of, you know, we're all a bunch of racists anyway. And so So um, we can say what we like. Um, (laughs) Because it's the, the, um, Premier League, you know, they can obviously, they can act. And so they've removed it. But the, th- the thing I liked about it was that um, <clears throat> the guy that came <clears throat> second is a, um, a University of Oxford cancer mathematician, which so I, good. so he now, a guy called Joshua Ball. So he now wins. And I just yeah, find that. Good on him. Um, on Josh. You know, yeah, that kind of you know, made me happy and he's just some complete, you know, nerdy guy who's um, all into the algorithms. Did you see that Carlson, the ch- uh, the chess, the chess player, guy? finished 11th too? So Aww. he was he was sort of famously leading it for a bit, but it, I mean, it shows there's something in maths, I yeah. suppose, doesn't it? Where did you finish, Rog? Um, there were a few zeros <laughs> in front of my one, or should we say, or after my one. Um, I just got, yeah, just a really small one, uh, or small two, sorry. Uh, manager of the season nominations came out. You see that? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, so four managers got nominated for manager of the season. Uh, Chris Wilder, I think, fair to say. Yeah. We did enjoy that. Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Fair to say they both had good seasons. Frank Lampard. Mm. <laughs> and Brendan Rodgers. Oh. I mean... Yeah, Come on. No. Well, who, who else would you put in, Jeff? Well, if either of them get it, shouldn't Ollie get nominated? Well, yeah, no. exactly. Look, look John, you, there is... I look Ollie had a better season, better season than... Oh, come on, Rog. Like, uh, Ollie didn't well, use his resource. You're, Nuno. Nuno's a good one. I'm not, I'm not saying any of them should beat Klopp. Uh, Wilder should come second. I'm just yeah. saying Brendan Rodgers actually proved that he was a bit of a flake as a manager towards, towards the end, and Frank Lampard didn't prove anything to anyone. Anyway, no, I agree. Last one is you know that I've got a bit of a soft spot for Mares being a complete twat, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the um, the Ricky Hatton comments that came out this week? I think I sent them to you, but I've got I've got to read out this quote. Go on. Ricky Hatton. So you know Ricky Hatton, the boxer. You know yeah, Ricky he's Hatton. a Man City fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's a Man City fan. Yeah. Right. So Ricky Hatton says, "I politely introduced myself to Riyad Mahrez. He said, "Oh yeah, you got beat by Mayweather and Pacquiao." He then proceeded to show me getting knocked out by the pair of them on YouTube. I thought I was being pranked. 
It was funny, to be fair, but what a prick. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a prick. (laughs) I think I like Mara's even more. He's the best. Oh, that's it for me. Um... Rog, you got Bristol one? City, quick Bristol City side oh, story. Yes. Sorry, just it's no, no, personal interest. But uh, we finally appointed um, uh, head coach, which is um, not a massive surprise in that they've given the job to Dean Holden, who was Lee Johnson's assistant before he was he was fired. They're quite different characters. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed given some of the people that they were talking to. You know, with, with Chris Hutton on the pod, Chris Hutton and the like, but um, it's a twelve-month rolling contract, so you know it's not. I think probably there's an element of this that you know it's the current an element of climate as well. Confidence in you, so we'll just see how. Ah, but more, you know, it's an uncertain, you know, environment at the moment, and if they can't, the, the new season starts very quickly. So, you know, rather than going out and giving somebody that they're unsure about a four-year contract for lots of money, um, let's at least initially stick with with Holden. But I think the interesting bit for me is that um, the assistant coaches that have been appointed um, as joint assistant, if you like, um, are Keith Downing um, and Paul Simpson, who are the England under-19 and under-20 coaches. head coaches or, or managers respectively um so the fa is really struggling at the moment because of the lack of international fixtures apparently they're about 300 million out of pocket Jesus. So they need some money so we managed to get these guys on the cheap now both of them have won you know international competitions and been working with some of the best players in the country so i you know whilst i wasn't um massively you know excited by Holden coming in I think getting those two in it, it represents a little bit of a, a coup for Bristol City and I, I um <laughs> I, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to see how they go so, something happens in Jeff's brain oh it's just such desperation isn't it <laughs> these two cloaks that no one's heard of god this is the future what a coup what a coup Rod these two cloaks well Jeff England, oh, yeah. England haven't won much Fuck Pep Guardiola, I've got Dave Gibson or whatever his name is. <laughs> Bring him in. It's a coup. Well, anyway, I was excited about it, so I, I think it's an in, interesting appointment. We've seen well, um, Brighton we'll see how it goes use that model year. as well. We'll see how it goes next year, Roger. It's very exciting <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, are we ready for the exciting new European endgame? Yes. Yes. So during this weird Europa League, Champions League, four or five weeks chaos tournament or whatever they're calling it, um, we're going to do a European special end game. Scores are zero. Everyone's on zero, 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 zero. Every game that's picked has to be a Champions League game or Europa League game. And because I decided on this today, then I'm going to be the first games master. So are you two ready? I've, I've been brushing up on my Shakhtar teams of 1997. Man United, uh, 1999. <laughs> no. So, there was a game this week between Bayern Munich and Chelsea. Oh, God. And Bayern Munich smashed Chelsea. But in 2012, in the Champions League final, Chelsea beat Bayern Munich on penalties after it was one all. So, the game is... Chelsea Bayern Munich 2012 Champions League final. Roberto Di Matteo is the Chelsea manager. Henkers, can never say his name. Yup, Henkers is the Bayern Munich coach. It was played in Munich. The attendance was 62,500. Roger Gibbs, name a player. Uh, Didier Drogba. Correct. Jeff? Oliver Kahn. No. Ba-bow. Oh, he wasn't played for Bayern Munich. Yeah, no. older though. Older. He played in 2002 World Cup, not 2012. Oh. Um, you get another life though. Okay, thanks, John. Rog? I needed that. Uh, John Terry. No, he didn't play in that game. 
He didn't play in that uh, game because he was suspended and he wore yeah, his funny he, little... Do you remember he put, he put a kit on to go lift the trophy? <laughs> That's Come on. right. Um, no. Lampard. Yes, <laughs> Yes. Uh, Thomas Muller. Correct. Uh, Michael Ballack. No. What the fuck? You played for both of those sides. Yeah, but like 10 years before that. Oh. Schweinsteiger? Yes. It's too late now, Jeff. It's too late. I'll I'll read off the teams and you'll... uh... Oh, no, all of them. I've got loads of them written down. So, Chelsea, Peter Cech. uh, Jose Basinga. David Louise. Gary Cahill. Ashley Cole. John Obi Mikel. Frank Lampard. Salman Kalu. Juan Mata, Ryan Bertrand, Didier Drogba. Ryan Bertrand, wow. Bayern Munich, Manuel Neuer, Philip Lahm, Drone oh. Berteng. Oh, Timo Shuk, I can never say this guy's name, um, the Ukrainian centre-back. Um, Contento, Schweinsteiger, Cruz, Robin, Ribery, Muller, Gomez. Yeah, you're right. This is a whole era after the Bayern team I was thinking of. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about the next gen. Basically, Sorry, everybody. I let I let you all down. So that means Rog goes one nil up. Oh, God damn it! And I remember this game really well. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, you remember I, you remember the John Terry bit vividly. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, just I just in, inserted the wrong buying team. In my well, memory. I like your logic. You were like, well, Michael Ballot played for both teams. So yeah, I'll... you always pick the player that played for both <laughs> yeah. teams. But then you, you, insert, you knew about John Terry, but then you went for Bayern Munich players rather than any of the Chelsea team. Because I thought I'd, I've, like, I could name that Bayern side, but actually I was naming a Bayern side of 10 years before <laughs> that game. <laughs> Excellent. Has um, anyone got anything before we go? No. Oh, all good. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or look at our website, footballshed.com, um, or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.